right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Bully B. Today, man, today we're tackling a topic that a lot of people tend to fight. It is such a... It's such a, a tough battle to have, too, man. There has been times, Bird, you know, back when I was doing a lot of the mile racing and stuff, I had fueling problems in my Corvette. Man, I, I went through so many evolutions of the fueling system on that Corvette. You know, I was, going, I was going over 200 miles an hour. And when the car was approaching 200 mile, mile an hour, it was one fueling system. When I finally got over to 200 miles an hour, it was a different fueling system. And by the time I went 212, 214, 216, it was a much different fueling system. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it is a system and, and something I think a lot of people battle with and a lot of people you know, fight with over the years. So, well, since the beginning of time, every vehicle has come with a matched fuel system for whatever horsepower and all of us knuckleheads we're always making more power so we're always under fueled so we're always chasing the fuel game and of course right we went from you know big number was 400 500 now big <laughs> yeah. numbers are 2000 2500 and up so i mean imagine the amount of fuel that you need to flow and just the chaos that can ensue with trying to flow that much fuel. Where is it going? Heat buildup, you know, cavitation on pumps. I mean, you name it. So we have been looking for the last, you know, 50, 60 years in automotive for somebody to give us the fuel system bits and parts and pieces that we need. And we keep asking for more, right? It's a never ending game. (laughs) So, well, that's because there's so much more available. Uh, Case in point, my brother, sent me pictures of this car today, and he's like, man, I'm really debating on getting this car. And I'm like, good God, how much power is this twin-turbo beast that he's showing me pictures of? 2,600 horsepower. At the rear tire, Kev, that's a, that's a twin-turbo LS setup. Wow. Or LT4 setup, but 2,600 horsepower nowadays on a street car. Like, good Well, I remember God. when, you know, oh, man, the solution is – uh, a holly blue pump. Oh my you God, know? yeah. Bolted somewhere on you know, side of your frame rail and some lines and you're like, woohoo, I'm set. You know, like buzzing away. Bzzz, you know, like we have 
so far surpassed. Oh, graduated um, from that. God, even down eons ago. Even down to flowing injectors, right? I mean, we have fire hoses uh, that we're trying to, you know, pretty much, you know, flood our engines essentially uh, to make this kind of power gain. So again, it's been a chase since day one, and we just keep pushing and pushing. But thankfully, we have guys like David Deach from Deachworks. Man, he has been in the fuel game. For close to 20 years, I believe. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and really kind of saw the shortcomings of what was obviously from the OEs, but what was from the aftermarket and into racing and performance. And, and uh, man, you have been kind of lockstep with what we're asking for as end users. And here you go. I got you covered. Uh, so, David, man, really glad to have you on the, on the podcast. Yeah, here. David. Yeah, totally glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So, David, it's wild, isn't it, man? You know, you've seen this power increase over years, and what's really crazy is the fuel, right? Everybody out here, so I'm in Colorado, right? We have a ton of ethanol in our fuel, so a lot of guys have converted over to E85, be it in their, you know, their dailies or, you know, their cars, they have to wind up go fast. So, I'll tell you what, let's take a break and kind of walk us through, A, how you started this crazy company, got you into this crazy game, uh, and B, maybe we can get into some of the fuel changes and what sort of problems that that has for everybody thinking about, you know, going to E85. That's a big popular conversion. Maybe alcohol. Maybe, you know, um, you're stuck with, you know, the gas stuff. We'll talk about it. Knock down questions. Get some big time answers. Uh, David Deachon from Deachworks. So it's the Two Guys Ride podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We'll see you just on the other side of the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have David Deach on Deachworks. Check him out online, man. And David, I got to ask you, bro. So most guys who start their own company, I feel like, and Kevin can back me up on this, I feel like most, most guys that start their own company, normally the origin of that was something was a, a, a major problem and you couldn't find resolve. And I know some of the bloodline you have in your family, and I know uh, you come from a long line of car enthusiasts. So wrong or right, um, how'd you get into Deachworks and start this company? And um, tell me a little bit about your racing history and your just love of cars, man, and, and whether or not it was a problem, because I feel like it had to be a problem. Oh, yeah, there was definitely a problem that start, started this whole crazy thing. Um, you know, like like so many companies in this industry, it's that are born out of someone's hobby, someone's passion. Um, I'm kind of fall along those same lines. Uh, back in late 90s, early 2000s, I was into the whole uh, S13, 240SX, SR swap, uh, oh, drifting uh, thing. Nice. Okay. Nice. Right on. Yeah, Not yeah. Really. Um, well, I'm an equal opportunity car lover. I like, <laughs> yeah. I like all cars. I've had all, I've had domestics, I've had exotics, I've had imports. Um, but the, the roots were definitely, uh, in the import scene. Um, but you know, I was just a young guy, didn't have a lot of money, had some kids trying to make my own projects work. And I, I bought this, uh, uh, SR20, uh, half cut and put in a 240SX, did turbo upgrade. Um, and, uh, scrounged around, got the turbo, got the intercooler, everything, got the fuel injectors. And man, those things were freaking expensive. So um, there were not, uh, back in the day, it was RC engineering. That was about, oh, that was yeah, about yeah, all yeah. there was <laughs> yeah. um, on, on fuel injectors. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it, it had the flow you needed, 
but um, you had to like upgrade your fuel rails. You had to upgrade, you know, make them fit into the manifold, change your O-rings, um, upgrade the electrical connectors. So like, not only was it the cost of the injectors, it was the cost of all the other stuff. So not um, a drop-in solution. Not a drop-in right? solution. It's what we all kind of like to see. It's, and, and that's kind of our mantra. We've always been drop-in solution application specific. So I'm looking at these OE injectors and I'm looking at these RC engineers. I'm like these OE injectors are great. They just need to flow more fuel. So I kind of developed a, a very rudimentary process of modifying the OE injectors um, to flow more fuel. Um, uh, I put a little bit of... What did you drill out? <laughs> I mean, we won't get it. it was some, back then, it was maybe some shady stuff, but, <laughs> but it worked. It worked. I put some QA testing behind it. You know, we flow match stuff. It worked. Um, and uh, it worked good in my car. Didn't, didn't blow up my engine or anything. Uh, had a couple brave friends. Um, <laughs> did the same thing for them. Uh, and and uh, basically, because of the QA testing and the flow testing that we did with the matching, it worked um, and it was safe. Uh, data wasn't great. Uh, tuning wasn't great, but it, that was the start of DeechWorks is modifying OE injectors. Um, one thing led to another, started selling them on the forums were big back then and um, uh, started selling them on the forums. And um, yeah, that, that was the roots of DeechWorks. Solve my own fueling problems. That's that's how it all started, man, which is, which is great. That's saying something because if you've been able to build your company, and started at that grassroots level, obviously you're doing something right. Uh, and that something right leads a lot of people through your door, um, which, you know, obviously you saw the need in this. Because let's be honest, early 2000s, bro, you didn't have, you know, Moran or, or companies like yourself or, you know, people making these big bad injectors. You were out on your own left to, to try to figure out what the next step and how to rage on the power and get the fuel to it. So uh, kudos to you for creating something that people obviously um, felt comfortable investing in and, and it took off from there. Now, what kind of racing uh, was kind of like the key for you and in, in all that momentum? Um, you know, you, you mentioned like I came from a, a history of car people. I really didn't. Um, my dad was like the most mechanically inept guy you've ever met. And, uh, <laughs> He gave me the, the gift of mechanical curiosity due to his lack thereof. Um, okay. I just know your kid, and your kid used to hang out at my brother's shop all the time. So I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I, I know I'm passing that on. Yeah. But my dad that's did awesome. not pass it on to me. So, um, you know, he couldn't fix anything. He had this little sad toolbox. It was actually a, a fishing tackle box with a couple rusty screwdrivers and pliers. So anytime anything needed fixed, assembled, was broken, like Dave, you know, I was the eldest son, so I was I was enrolled to take care of that stuff, and that kind of started my um, curiosity, my, my mechanical curiosity, and uh, just interest in how things work. So we went to a similar school of hard knocks. My, my dad wasn't big into wrenching or anything like that, so yeah, there was a lot of fails, a lot of learning, but just continually diving in until you get it right. Uh, so exactly. I'm with yeah, you there. Yeah. So if we fast forward 20 plus years later, walk us through what Dietrichworks has for all of us, uh, you know, speed junkies out here asking for ridiculous amounts of fuel right? <laughs> right, right. and different types of fuel. So yeah, t walk us through the latest and greatest in the game, right? So we went from using a die grinder to, to wallow out some <laughs> injectors way back when right. to, you know, here we are, we've got off the shelf 
plug and play, monster type injectors and everything else, fuel pumps, surge tanks, uh, dual filters, everything that you need to kind of make from mile to wild. So yeah, give us some of the skinny there. Yeah, so in the in 2004 is when um, officially I, I went from a side hustle to an actual company like paying taxes and stuff and uh, um, did fuel injectors exclusively till 2009. Um, in 2009, we added the DW300 in-tank pump. Um, at that time, there's just the Walbro 255, and um, that was actually a Mustang pump from the 80s, and I was like, there's got to be better a better pump solution than this. So dude, please, there's gotta <laughs> be, you know how many of those I stacked together yeah. in that Corvette yeah. I was mentioning that earlier, try to get it to work. Oh God. So no one was making bigger pumps. They were just putting, you know, more right. Walbro 255s. And yeah, so yeah, they're stacking them in line <laughs> right, and then right. on another tank over here. So, um, we, we released the DW 300, which, uh, injected some more modern technology like, um, carbon commutators, a, uh, um, composite impeller instead of a, a G rotor design. So it's quieter, more fuel efficient, pulse width modulated. Um, and that really changed things for us. That really opened up um, uh, the market to us. And we started doing a lot more pumps. Um, since then, uh, we, my, my kind of my vision, my mantra for the country, company was stay focused on fuel systems, but let's do everything within fuel systems. And so um, since then, we've added filtration, fuel rails, lines and fittings, regulators. Um, I think that's everything. Uh, uh, tanks, uh, surge tanks. So so the, the goal was just to have a complete fuel systems company. Yeah, man. It's so helpful to have everything underneath one roof because it is confusing choosing the pumps, the lines, you know, the regulators and so forth. You're not sure what you need, but... You know, to be able to call up you guys and know that you have full-blown systems that's going to handle the demand, get it there to and from without breaking down. You know, for us out here, a perfect example is E85. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Switching to E85, yeah. they're like, yeah. you got to change everything. <laughs> just change it all. <laughs> uh, just throw it away. Just get, <laughs> yeah, rid of it. just get rid of it. Change everything you have. Um, but really, to, to be able to call a company and get complete fuel systems in that power range that you're looking for with – you know, without all the hassle of piecing, you know, everything together, what a lifesaver that is. For sure. And that's been a real advantage that we have is, you know, uh, fueling is all about building the right system, not throwing a bunch of individual components at it. You have to look at it from a system perspective. Since we offer everything in fuel systems, we can look at your fuel system holistically um, for different applications. We know what you need to upgrade, what you don't need to upgrade. Um, which can save a lot of money. Um, a lot of people upgrade their 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 lines um, when they don't need to. Um, I had a seven hundred fifty horsepower E eighty five CTSV on the stock fuel lines. Like it's not the restriction that you necessarily think it is. Um, so you can save money by knowing what to upgrade and what not to upgrade. And being a fuel systems company, we can help customers make those choices. You know, how many times I've I've watched listeners friends other racers spend thousands like uh, i never forget another buddy had a similar corvette to me was trying to make big big power up in the range that i was um and this place that he kept taking his corvette to they just kept stacking those yarbos up and, uh, <laughs> yeah. to the point where 
you know, it, it was his bill was like six thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, for this fueling system, and all they did was tack in a third one, and it didn't. It actually cut his efficiency down. It actually ended up ha- making less power. I think on his car, if I'm not mistaken, it made less power um, with with them trying to make more fuel um, at the rails by just stacking more pumps in it. Uh, so it's it's wild to to hear you talk about solutions like that when most people, like you said, are trying to piece so many things together. Right, right. Yeah, you need to right size your fuel system. Um, going bigger than you need can have just as bad a disaster, uh, effects as is making it. You know, putting too small of a pump in there. Um, right sizing your fuel system, and then then control the fuel system too. If you're going to have multiple pumps. You need to be putting some of those on triggers so you have, you're staging your pumps um, or use uh, utilize pulse width management um, or pulse width modulation, I'm sorry, uh, so that you're not running full bore throwing, you know, 500 liters per hour of fuel at your engine when you're just idling around town, which 95% of the time, that's what you're going to be doing. So. Um, yeah, walk us walk us through those couple of scenarios, right? Because we've got horsepower that we talked earlier went from you know 500 to now we're you know thousands to new 400, and then now we're making 2,000, 3,000. So yeah. for the the street guys, right, 500 to 1,200 is kind of a you know that's a great fun pushing range the envelope being, before. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of setups would you say for that? You know, five to six, seven hundred NA, and then when you start boosting and you're in that thousand plus. Uh, you talked about pulse width modulation, which is a way of right controlling pump or staging them. What is the preferred and how do you do that? And how many pumps would you recommend for those kind of power levels? Uh, it really depends what you're starting with. Um, knowing the, the goals for your build and knowing the, the different applications, um, uh, working with your OE fuel system to a certain point will get you really far instead of working against it. So if you've got a, you know, a Mustang, um, late model Mustang that has a um, fuel pump control module, knowing how to manipulate that, tune that, and utilize that so that you can pulse with modulate your um, aftermarket pumps uh, will get you really far. And, and how far can you go? Yeah. So if you've got, right, you've got a, a late model Mustang, you put a blower on it and you're in that 750 range, yeah. maybe you're pushing 8-ish or whatever. Uh, what do you have to do to your stock fuel system and basics? Um, you know, you, you want to upgrade the fuel pumps for sure. Uh, fuel pumps and injectors are the biggest thing. Uh, around that, you know, um, and that, not Mustang specific, but just in general terms, around that 600, 700 horsepower is where you're going to want to convert to a return fuel system. Um, you can usually use a, uh, you know, most modern fuel systems are demand regulated, um, returnless fuel systems. And those are great up to 500 to 700 horsepower. Once you get above that, um, that's when you might want to bypass that factory fuel pump control module and uh, do a do a full return fuel system. Okay, so that's the tipping point for returnless to return. I mean, it's very application specific. Give or and take. Our, yeah. our tech guys they know a lot better than I do on all the ins and outs of specific applications. But um, uh, you know, rule of thumb is that yeah, six hundred, seven hundred. You want to re- you want to um, put in a return fuel system. Okay. All right. But but work with the OE system until it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's, it's funny. I, I'm not sure why that's the threshold, but I've always been told the same thing. If you're over 600 horsepower, not nah, you're going to have to go to a, uh, you know, a fuel system with a return line. Right. Uh, it's just always that cutoff. Now, obviously, 
a big change in the game has been the actual fuel that we're using. So let's take a break. We'll come back, dive into finishing this up and really what you need to change as far as fuel nowadays because there's a lot of different options available, E85 being a big one. A lot of racers love that stuff. Uh, what is that doing to your fuel system, though? More on that with David, Kevin Bird, and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have David Deach on. Deachworks is the company. We'll spell that for you in just a minute because it's a whopper, I got to tell you. Um, now, look, we were just talking about, you know, sort of pumps and about that horsepower range. You want to start to think about going to a return fuel system. That's right around that 600 horsepower range. Now, uh, David, that's where we kind of left off. Uh, let's talk now real fast about that 800 horsepower, that 1,000 horsepower range. What do you got for somebody in that market? And, of course, nowadays, 1,000 horsepower is the new 400. So what about us, us gear bangers that are – way over here on the other side of the thousand what 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 do you got for as far as you know fuel pumps kits um stuff like that yeah yeah thousand horsepower is definitely a uh target for our customers these days um the issue with that kind of uh flow you need to support a thousand horsepower um is usually it's a big pump that has to be installed um in line uh outside the tank or it's multiple pumps in the tank um, yes, uh, which is more points of failure and a big pain in the ass. Exactly. <laughs> right. Stack so, up and they'll, they'll go against each other. Um, so like uh, the best case scenario is a single pump in the tank. Um, that's the easiest for installation. Um, the fuel in the tank keeps the pump nice and cool. Um, you don't have to have something, you know, run along your frame rails that could get damaged or, or leak. Or it tatters your teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're, they're usually, uh, they're usually um, positive displacement. So they're really loud with a roller vein or, or some sort of G rotor um, pumping mechanism. Um, so we're, we're a big advocate of in tank pumps. Uh, we actually released at SEMA this year a new brushless 810 liter Ooh. per hour in tank pump. Um, so that's going to be able to support over nice. 1500 horsepower. Um, it's brushless, so there's lots of different control um, options on, on controlling the pump, and uh, you, it, it's compatible with all sorts of fuels, any fuel. Nice. So 1,500 horsepower, and can you fit that in some tanks, any tanks? Oh, yeah. Actually, the pump is tiny because it's brushless. Um, a typical, uh, typical pump is 39 millimeter diameter. Uh, this is... Um, uh, it's about like 42 millimeter diameter. It's a little okay. bit larger diameter, but it's actually shorter. So it's about shorter. the size. Wow. Yeah, it's actually shorter. So it's about the size of a typical in-tank pump. So fitting it in your tank, it's pretty easy. Man, wow, to get 1,500 horsepower. I mean, that's brushless technology. Yeah, you, think, you know, things get it longer and there's not enough depth within the in the the tank itself. But Dude, he said 810 liters an hour, wow. bro. 810 liters, that... Whoo, that's a that's moving some fuel. Yeah, this this will be a game changer for that for that uh you know up to fifteen hundred horsepower level. That's gonna cover a lot of territory. So that is like I'd say most of us. And then there's the game changer. There's the willy bees that are out in the twos. Right, right. <laughs> Some in the threes. So let's talk let's hover there for just a minute, because fifteen hundred, like I said, covers a lot of us. Um how how do you control that? Because like you said, if you just 
wick that thing full speed, you're dumping a ton of fuel and you're just sending it right back to the tank. You got all kinds of frothing and heat and whatever else. So what's the best way to manhandle that pump? So the beauty of brushless is, is that it's digital. So um, our uh, brushless pump comes with a controller. Um, it's a, it's a three wire controller. So um, you use a little more wiring involved, but uh, well, three, can, oh you know, my gosh, yeah, I'm, one more, I'm one sweating more. over here. <laughs> you know, you know, car guys hate wiring. <laughs> All right, so what do we do with the, those three wires? How does this work? So um, you, this controller is set up so you can have it triggered, so it's staged. Um, you can have a, a low setting, and then with a hob switch, with a, you know, uh, tap into your TPS sensor, however you want to control it. Um, the low setting is default at 40, uh, 40% duty cycle. And then, obviously, once, once you need the flow, um, it's at 100% duty cycle. So that's okay. the easy way to do it. Just triggering. So 40, it. 40%, 100%. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. That's a simple, straightforward way of, of, of doing it. You can wire it in technically. So it's default 100% duty cycle all the time. We don't recommend that. That's just flowing way too much fuel when you're idling around. Okay. Um, so the DOS for dummies version is 4100. And then is right. there like an expert? Yeah. So uh, P, uh, pulse width modulation is, is where it's at. So. That will, if you have a standalone, and usually if you're making that kind of horsepower levels, you have a standalone, something like a Haltech, Motec, um, that will be able to use the different sensors in the car and um, trigger uh, the, the pulse with demand at the pump. So um, it will just ramp up and down as needed, depending on the different sensors in the car and, and how you control it through your standalone. I'm loving it. I'm so loving it's basically, it. you know, infinitely variable. Yeah. For anybody pulse width modulation, it's a fancy term where instead of all on, you know, sending the power, you're just kind of zapping it real fast with exactly. whatever yeah. concentration you need to get the flow or speed or whatever that you're looking for. So anyway, computer controlling variability of the pump flow and speed. So yeah, it was just fancy, fancy terminology that, um, you know, your tuners and your, your calibrators, people setting up your, your standalones, they know how to do all that for these uh, horsepower levels. Yeah, but you got the controller. So, yeah, then it's just a matter of getting your uh, your standalone the ramp up, PCM. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We them. work with Motec and Altec and, and other standalone companies. So um, we've done the testing to make sure that our, our pump controller can accept their pulse with modulation signals. Wow. All right. all a little bit different. Well, I'm already geeked up because right, you just, hit, yeah, you just awesome. hit a single pump in tank with control. Super easy to cover almost everything uh, mild to almost extreme. You know, like, all right, now we got yeah, Willie. Now we got the well, Willie B category. <laughs> now now let's, talk, uh, let's talk the fuel that, you know, is the rage amongst all of us kids yeah. out here. Um, E85. So... Obviously, corn feeding these hot rods and big power cars, it's kind of the way to go. I love the coolness of how it burns. Uh, you need a lot more of that fuel, so that obviously brings the pump into question. But when you're thinking about E85, talk to us a little bit about what's going on, what we need to change, what we need to look at for fueling a big horsepower E85 car. Yeah, E85 is, is a blessing and a curse, like, literally um nothing's free in this world man especially when you're making a couple extra undie horsepower you know especially (laughs) pump e85 you know it's the ultimate in um uh 
in performance and um, accessibility. Like, you, you know, when you can just go up to, if you've got 85 in your area, you can go to the pump and you can get 110 octane Ooh. with tons of cooling effect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like crack. It's, it, you have to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, it's got a, but it's man, got an aroma, just like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it does, dude. I used to have the gas station at the end of my subdivision had E85 and I was their only customer, but man, I kept them busy for years. I was like, don't, don't get rid of it. They finally got rid of it. But man, oh. I would, I had four or five cars on the E85 at the time. Now I got one cause it's, it's a little harder to get nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so I, if, if we're if we're talking about pump gas, pump E eighty five, that's different than race fuel. Race fuel E eighty five is consistent. Um, it has a a, a consistent uh, percentage of al- of uh, ethanol in it. Um, it usually doesn't have water in it. Um, uh, the pump stuff is where you need to really follow best practices. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it a, a couple of different ways. First, you have to have um, compatible materials. You know, if you have a car built after 2000, 2006, you're probably going to be fine as far as material compatibility. Um, early stuff, you know, you know, 90s, earlier, you're going to want to go through your whole fuel system, replace all your rubber lines, um, you know, scrub out your tank. You know, you're going to have a steel tank that might have some rust or some gumming in it that e85 will will turn up and and flow through your fuel system which you don't want um so you have to look at the material compatibility first uh then you have to look at the components you know e85 is going to um uh require about 35 percent more fuel so obviously in a bigger pump you'll need most likely bigger injectors um to uh it's just a lower energy density of fuel um most injectors are, uh, anything that's modern will be E85 compatible um, on the injector side. On the pump side, you're going to make sure you at least have carbon commutators. Um, if not, uh, brushless pumps are the best. Um, they don't have any wear items, so uh, there's no brushes or, or commutator to wear out. So brushless um, is where it's at. Uh, the third, third head is the control. Um, if you can, if you can do a, uh, flex fuel system, do a flex fuel system. It just makes everything so much easier. Um, you can run gas, you can run ethanol. You don't have to worry about the seasonality of the percentage of, uh, ethanol in the fuel. Um, it just adjusts. Um, if you can't do that, at least have a gas tune and a E85 tune so you can go back and forth. Uh, if you, if you have an E85 dedicated system, you need to be checking, you know, you need to be checking your fuel every time you fill up make sure that, uh, that concentration of ethanol is correct. Um, uh, in the winter, it can go down to as low as 60% ethanol and they can still call it pump E85, still label as E85, um, on the pump. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So you've got your fuel system now E85 capable, but as we know, the, the variability in the fuel and its ability to pick up moisture, right? What, what do you recommend for people along those lines? Um, what's the best way to check the fuel? And then what do you do once you check it? What is somebody going to, Oh, now I'm at 65 and not 85. What, what are they supposed to be doing now? Now that's a great question. Um, <laughs> they should be converting to flex fuel. <laughs> um, right, 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 right. No, no but I, um, to your point earlier, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's little kits you you can get. They're cheap. They're easy. Um, 
that's a little uh, vial that you put the gas in and you can check it real quick to see what the percentage of alcohol of uh, ethanol is. I mean, uh, you can, you can, at least, you know what you're getting. Um, you can carry around E100 in your, in your, you know, have a little gas tank with you and, and kind of do some mouth math on the side of the road and, and see how much E100 <laughs> you need to add. Yeah. Uh, there's not great options. Um, the best thing is just going to, a you know, usually talk to other car guys. They'll say, Hey, you know, like in Oklahoma city, we have RS fuels. RS fuels is really good about having very consistent 85% E85. Um, so it's where you get it is important. As far Amen. as um, water, you, you mentioned the hygroscopic, hygroscopic properties of uh, E85. You know, it absorbs water. Um, water is an issue. Uh, if you go to a quality uh, fueling station, um, there shouldn't be water in it. Um, if you don't, there might be water in it. As far as uh, water, once it's in your fuel tank, um, you just don't want to sit there a long time. You especially don't want to sit there a long time in humid environments with, you know, a quarter of a tank. So keep it full um, and uh, try and keep it in a stable, humid, uh, you know, in your garage is better than sitting outside um, and uh, just drive your car. Yeah, just so drive your car. for racers. Yeah, well, for racers and guys that have extreme weather changes, right? Lots of snow in winter. Um you know, yeah. anything you recommend as far as, uh, you know, vehicles that are sitting over, you know, even if you fill them up, is it okay springtime to fire them up and run them? Are they, is it losing its effective octane? Yeah. If, it, if it's a race car that's, that's only run seasonally, we really suggest running, um, uh, running at least a few gallons of gasoline through your fuel system before you put them up for the season. Um, uh, if not, uh, pull your injectors, um, have them flow tested. Uh, but really running gasoline through your seat, through your fuel system before you put it up for the season is, is the best practice. Does the E85 leave more deposits inside the injector when it dries than regular gas? Uh, yes. Yeah. A lot more of that, that residue stuff that will gump up gooey. It, it, it basically there are contaminants in your fuel system that gasoline, um, does not, uh, emulsify. They, the ethanol will emulsify those things and they deposit them right on the fuel, right on the tip of your fuel injector. So right on the tip, right on the, the tip, tip, right where you don't want it. Can, can regular fuel system cleaners that you add to a tank, can they help address those things with E85? Yeah, they can. Okay. They can. Yeah. See, fortunate for us in Colorado, we don't have humidity up here at, you know, 6,700 feet. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't have to worry right. about that, but I do have to worry about finding E85, which is getting more difficult. Uh, by the day, but nonetheless, where do people find you, Dave? Uh, how do people find Deechworks? I mean, we, we have a website, Deechworks.com. Uh, we're also active on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we got a YouTube channel. Um, so all those normal outlets that everyone's utilizing. Yes, Dave. But the big question is, how do you spell Deechworks? <laughs> <laughs> Beat me to it. It's uh, D E A T S C H. W-E-R-K-S. One more time, ladies and gentlemen. D-E-A-T-S-C-H. W-E-R-K-S. Not difficult at all. Uh, no, super simple. Uh, but Once man, you get there, stumbling or not, then save it. Bookmark it because you're going to want to go back 
And Amen. I'm pretty sure we have like all the misspellings like um, in Directed, our yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we bought all those other URLs. Yeah, yeah. Misspell it. It'll Smart it'll go back to Smart man and many fronts <laughs> there. I am going to go check out that uh, 810 uh, pump that you guys have, man. That thing sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, just about sure. any application that I have. So perfect. No doubt. Perfect, it perfect. was just released a SEMA. I'm not 100% sure it's on our website yet. So it will be within days. Get it up there. Hopefully, by you know, I'll, by the time this airs, I'll make sure it's on there. Giddy up, <laughs> giddy up, my All man! All right, you're on a deadline. We love it. Uh, speaking of airing, make sure you check out our show every weekend on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. It's also available on Motor Trend Plus, which is their streaming format. Thanks to our guest David Deech. Deech works, y'all. Deechworks.com. Find it. Love them. Give them some support. Share them on social. All that fun stuff. Thanks to our producer Scoop, our executive producer Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird, and I'm Willie B for the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yeah, and check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Check us out on social at Two Guys Garage. And this Two Guys Garage podcast is copyright 2023, Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Nice. Well, David, man, I got to tell you, for the first podcast, that was a home run. You killed it. Was it, was it good? I really enjoyed no, it. No, that you was guys, his first podcast. First one. Nice yeah. job, that man. That was uh, way easier than I thought it'd be. But, I mean, that's because your expertise. You guys are pros at this, so make people feel comfortable. Now, well, now you're a seasoned <laughs> veteran, man. All right. We can have yeah. you on all the time. <laughs> well, that's right fun. On, I David. appreciate it, guys. We appreciate you. You hope you guys learned a thing or two, right, Kevin? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If not, you better have some fun. Well, David, we'll stay in touch, and we'll catch the rest of you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.